in Sunday night. And on Sunday night, we are talking about the end of time, prophecy. There are things in the Bible that tell us approximately And what do you mean by approximately? When Jesus will come back. And we'll kind of look at that. There are chapters in the Bible that just about all it talks about is prophecy in those chapters. And particularly these right here, Matthew, Matthew 24. And then Mark's answer, or actually Mark's account of Matthew 24. And that's Mark, the 13th chapter. And then you have Luke has also got an account of the end of time. And that's in Luke, the 21st chapter. These are sister chapters that give you approximately the same things. Now, people will say, the Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour, so nobody knows when Jesus is coming. Well, the Lord said, you're not the children of the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Right before that, he says, The Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But he, we're not in darkness that that day will overtake us as a thief. There are plenty of signs in the Scripture. Look over here at Matthew 24. This is the verse that everybody wants to use. Matthew 24. Now, at the beginning of each one of these chapters, Matthew 24, Mark, 14 of Mark 13 and Luke 21 at the beginning of the chapters there's a question that's being asked Jesus and I like the way that I like the way that it's put here in the 24th chapter of Matthew Matthew 24 and I'm going to show you the verse that everybody says well we don't know. The Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. Well, here in Matthew 24, Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, this temple here is Herod's temple. It's actually a third temple. Herod was an Idumean. I D-U-M-E-A-N. He was an Idumean king. He came from south of Israel. Where does the king have to come from in Israel? He has to come from Judah. Well, when you had these Herods, they were all Idumeans. They were descendants down here of Edom. Edom is where Esau migrated to do to and they did not have the promises of God did they no. didn't have them at all so anytime you find a Herod ruling during the day of Jesus up here they're the wrong king 
When Jesus was walking around on earth, he was the king of Israel. And John the Baptist was the high priest because he come from the uh, from the lineage of Abraham there in the first chapter. It takes you over to the 24th chapter of 1 Chronicles, and it'll show you that he was of the course of Abiah, eighth course of Abiah. Now, when he, they asked Jesus, and Jesus said unto them, See all these temples? This was the third the third temple. The first temple was Solomon's temple. First temple. And the first temple was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. I'll just put Neb. It was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And then when it was destroyed and leveled to the ground, they got another decree to rebuild the temple. And that decree came in by Cyrus. So this is the second temple here. Second temple. And then that decree was confirmed by Darius. When Cyrus gave the decree, that was in Ezra, the first chapter, and also at the end of Second Chronicles, the 36th chapter. And it comes Second Chronicles, Ezra. I should have put it after Ezra, but I won't change it. And you have the decree given here, and you have it here. Then when they stopped building, the Jews stopped because of all the opposition they got, and they stopped building in, five, in uh, 536 B.C. They started building the second temple in 5... I'll get it right in a minute. They started building it in 538 B.C. under the Persian monarchs. The Persian kings after Persia overthrew Babylon. Well, in 536, they started building in 538. Two years later, they got a lot of opposition from a man named Tatani. He was opposing the building of the temple because he was a mean, evil man. And so they start building, they keep, they go back to building in 520 under Darius. And all he does is confirm this decree that was given uh, by Cyrus. He just confirms it because they couldn't have a law twice. That would be like saying it's against the law to drive 70 miles an hour down here in a 45 mile an hour speed zone. You don't have to say, well, there's cars down there speeding. We've got to go down there and see if we can get City Hall to come up with a law that in that area they can't drive 70. You have to drive 45. You don't have to make a law again. It's already law. All they had to do was go out and find that decree find the decree, go back and present it to Darius, and Darius corrected Tatanai to the point, he said, I'll hang you on a tree if you don't get behind the building of this temple. So he did. 
Well, this went on, and you had later on under, when you have the Between the Testaments. Between the Testaments is, in fact, if you can find that, you can get one at a Christian bookstore. It's history. And that is between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. There's 400 silent years as far as the Bible is concerned, but there's not 400 silent years as far as history is concerned. And you'll find this referred to in Daniel, in Daniel, the 11th chapter, You'll find this between the Testaments. And that's when Judas Maccabeus comes in Jerusalem and defiles the temple. Defiles it. So they have to start rebuilding that temple again. By the time you get down here in the New Testament, you get down here to Herod, who's the king and a descendant of Esau, wrong not even a tribe, wrong people. And so he's built this temple, and I saw a special on it one night. It covers, it was magnificent. That's why the apostles wanted to show it to everybody. It covers, they say, about 28 acres. And the stones of the temple are huge. They weigh up to 40 to 50 Tons. Now this temple, this temple is destroyed in 70 A.D. But the apostles say, well, it is so big it can never be destroyed. And they thought it would last to the end of time. That's the reason for their question right here. But you have to know all this to understand the question of the apostles to Jesus in Matthew, the 24th chapter. Now let's read it. And Jesus said unto them, See all these things, and verse 2, Verily I say unto you that there shall be not left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that looked like it was impossible, not just to the apostles, anybody that was in Israel. This was a huge temple. Herod had come in there and built all kinds of parks and sitting places and built this gigantic thing called the temple. Well, that's not, that wasn't according to the, uh, the tabernacle. The temple in Jerusalem was built with the same dimensions of the tabernacle. So, the apostles say, we want to show everybody the temple. It's so magnificent. Well, let's read on here. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples said unto him. Now, the reason he said what he said, one stone will not be left upon another. He was talking about in 70 A.D. when Titus, the son of Vespasian, the emperor of Rome at this point in 70 A.D., He's going to send his son, Titus, and later on, Titus will become Caesar. He'll be one of the Caesars. But he was a general in his father's army, and he came in and destroyed 
the, the temple here, and from then on, there is no more temple. But you have to always remember, in Colossians 2.14, when Jesus was crucified, every one of the rituals of the temple were done away with, all of them. The Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. There's two handwritings. One's on fleshy tables of the heart. Fleshy tables of the heart. And that's in our hearts. God would not blot that out. He tells us about that in Second Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. 3, 1 through 4. And there's a law written on tables of stone. Table. I want to talk about this a lot this coming Wednesday night. Tables of stone. That's what was brought out, but it wasn't the law. There's two parts to the law. The spirit and the letter. People say, well, the law's been done away with. Are you crazy? You think you can go out here and rob a bank? You think you can kill somebody, just get mad out here on the ball field and pull a gun out and shoot somebody like people do that? You can't do that. That's against God's law. I love the last verse of Romans, the third chapter. Do we make void the law through faith? Yea, we establish the law. In Galatians 6, 14. All the law is fulfilled in word and word, even in this, thou shalt love. And love is doing the law of God in it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the word agape. And agape is walking after the commandments of God. Walking after commandments. This is love, Second John 6, that we walk after his commandments, and that's the word agape. That's not the word phileo. So, the law wasn't done away with. The letter of the law, the letter killeth, the spirit giveth life. That's the two parts of the law. All the rituals are done away with. So when Jesus is nailed to the cross in 33 A.D., and this is how you show the preterist that he could not possibly have come back in 70 A.D. The preterists say, well, Jesus came back and appeared in the temple, and they use a verse. I'll go ahead and take you to it. Matthew, the 16th chapter. They use this verse. This is one of their favorite verses. A preterite verb, preterite, P-R-E-T-E-R-I-T. A preterite verb is a past tense verb. Something that happened in the past. Preterists say that Jesus fulfilled all of his, everything that he was going to fulfill in 70 A.D., let me see if I can explain this. All the rituals were blotted out by 70 AD. All of them. The law was never blotted out. 
So would he be coming back? This really boggles my mind about preterists. They say, well, he came back in 70 AD in a big flash of light in the temple. And that they say that fulfilled verse 27. As the lightning shined from the east to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That word coming is the same word as you find up there in verse 3 when he says what they ask Jesus. Let me show you why they ask him what he asked him. Look at verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What things is he talking about? What, what Jesus said in the previous verse. One stone of the temple will not be left upon another. But you've got to look at it this way. They made it a double question because they believed that the temple was so magnificent it would last to the end of time. So he tells them, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of thy parousia? P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. Coming. P-A-R-O-U-S-I-A. Coming is the word parousia. It means physical arrival. This is what gets me about the preterist. This is what gets me about them. They want the idea that Jesus had a flash of lightning in the temple. And that was the fulfillment of that 27th verse. That's real dumb. They're not asking him, when are you going to come back in a flash of lightning and appear to us and then go back to heaven where you came from? Are they? No. They want him to stay with them. When are you coming back to stay with us? That's what they're asking him. Not saying, when you come back in a flash of lightning. That's crazy. Let me show you one more time about the Preterist doctrine over in Matthew, the 16th chapter. And this is what gets them. They called, the Preterist called this temple the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God was a title for Israel. And where is the kingdom of God now? The kingdom of God is in you. That's where it is. So they read this and say, See, I don't know how you guys even think the way you think because it's twisted all to pieces. Nothing to the Jews worked after Jesus was crucified in 33 AD. They wouldn't even include it in the temple. God says, I change not in all my judgments. Change shall not means to mutate or duplicate. It means to mutate or duplicate. Now, if we're the temple of God now, how could he have a temple in Jerusalem wanting the Jews to accept him when he comes back, when he comes back in the temple in 70 AD? Why would he do that when all of his people are the elect upon the earth, and we're spiritual Israel in the spiritual temple of God. Why would he come back to the Jews who are fitted for hell and they're not going to heaven? Why would he come back and try to convince them of anything? Jesus don't convince anybody of anything. He calls his elect and they come in, don't they? 
So he don't need a special appearance in the temple. It's crazy. Now, here's one of the verses they use. Look over here in Matthew 16. This is Jesus talking. Verse 28. Verily I send you that there be some standing here which shall not taste death. Now, when you look up cup in the McClellan and Strong, one of the phrases they'll say is taste death. To drink of a cup meant to undergo a severe ordeal or death. That shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And they think that's talking about, well, he's coming as a light and shines from the east to the west. And I don't know what they do that because they say that's at this temple. When did the kingdom of God come to the earth? Acts 2. Acts the second chapter. He breathed upon the church the breath of life. What he's saying I'm not going to be dead very long. I'll be dead just 50 days before the kingdom of God comes when you crucify me. It's not talking about 70 AD. It's talking about Acts, the second chapter, isn't it? Now, I don't know if you know that this preterism is a very popular, twisted doctrine. Don't like it at all. Now, let's go back over there to Matthew 24. Today, You're going to ask people if they believe in it. A lot of people believe in it. They have what they call partial preterism. That's what uh, uh, the guy down in Florida, I can't think of his name. Um, He just died. Kennedy? No. Spruill. R.C. Spruill. R.C. Sproul believed in a form of preterism. You have to ask a man if he believes it. I don't believe it at all because there's too many holes in it. God's not coming back in 70 A.D. to see if a bunch of vessels of wrath want to believe him. He's not going to convince anybody of anything. All that the Father gives to me shall come to me, he said. They don't need a convincing with a special appearance in a temple. You just have to ask preachers if they believe it. And some of them are afraid of it because they know it's got holes in it. Now, let's go back to the 24th chapter, and I'm going to show you what people say. We've got all kinds of signs here. We've got signs about the end of time. Now, go back to the 24th chapter. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came and said, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy parousia, your coming? Well, end of the end of the world. They coupled end of the world. They coupled end of the world with his coming. Now, end of the world is the word Ionos, A-I-O-N-O-S. And Ionos can mean a season. A season. A particular season. But it can also, when it's translated, it's translated, it's translated everlasting. It's translated, it's the word forever. Now the preterists say what Jesus is talking about is the time from his death till 70 AD. That's quite ridiculous. 
because that would mean if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved till 70 A.D. You'll be saved forever. Everlasting life is the same basic word, ionos. Now let's keep reading here. And Jesus answered and said unto his apostles, Take heed that no man deceive you. Planeo, P-L-A-N-A-O. That's the word deceive. Be sure and watch yourself. And the word take heed is the word blepo. Uh, it means to be aware of. Be aware that you're, you can be deceived, but not permanently, but temporarily. And the end of the world. Jesus said, take heed that no man planeo you, seduce you, and drag you, drag you away by an imposter who would be preaching a false doctrine. For many shall come in my name. Now this is something most people don't understand what it's saying. He's not saying many will come in their name. They won't come in their name, their authority saying, I am Christ. That's not what they're going to say. You can't deceive saying you're Jesus. He's saying they will come and they'll point at me and say he's the Christ. They'll deceive many because they're preaching the wrong lying doctrine like Kenneth Copeland and Fred Price and, and T.D. Jakes and those liars. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. There are more wars. There's something that's proof. Go online, look up how many current wars are going on in the world today. There's about, I look it up every once in a while, and there's wars starting over and over. There's about 50 full-time wars in the world today. Now, I mean out-and-out out wars. So there be wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end's not yet. There's going to be all these wars and rumors of wars. For nation shall rise against nation. That word nation is ethnos. Ethnos shall rise against ethnos. We get our word ethnic from that. It's also the word Gentile. Gentile shall rise against Gentile. And <clears throat> Gentile will rise against Gentile. And there will be famine. Right now, there's more famines in the world than you have any idea about. There are a million people laying in the streets of Calcutta, India, living in cardboard boxes. The same thing in Mexico City. I had a fellow who used to come here. He said, you can go to Mexico City, and there's hundreds of thousands of people living in cardboard boxes on the streets of Mexico City. They don't have any way to eat. They don't know what to do but beg and steal and whatever they have to do. You got the same thing in Bangladesh. You got people starving all over the world. You got them. I had a fellow that came here. He said, I went to the Vatican. He said, the Vatican has got a whole wall full of those chalices 
A chalice is what they drink the so-called blood of Christ. They drink the grape juice is what it is. And it has, he said they have gold and silver and and all kinds of diamonds and rubies. One of those cups, he said they got a whole wall of them. And he said one of those cups could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. He said when you walk out of the Vatican and walk into the front street, you walk into complete poverty. There's beggars everywhere. And they got all that money inside the door there. I've got a book called The Vatican Billions. You can order it from Jack Chick Publishers. Talks about all the money they have and how they've controlled everything with their money. Now let's keep on reading here. They shall deliver you to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now we've quoted that those verses over there in John 15 that if the world hated me, it'll hate you. If it persecuted me, it'll persecute you. Therefore the world hateth you. And he says here, you have to be hated. We are hated because we preach that Christmas is pagan. Predestination's true. God does not love everybody. People hate these doctrines. Hate them. They hate us for believing them. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate me, hate one another. And many false prophets like Copeland and company and like Jesse the plant. He's got an IQ of a plant. And many of the false prophets shall arise and shall deceive many. And I love that next verse. I preached on it before. Because iniquity shall abound the love of many will wax cold. Now that word iniquity is the word anomia. Anomia is a construction of nomos, which is the Greek word law. Law. And it means legal. Prescribed. It says prescribed. It's what sheep are prescribed to eat. Legally prescribed food for animals. You know what un unprescribed food is? It's what I was preaching on this morning. It's not eating of the body of Christ. You remember we talked about in that 12th chapter of Second Corinthians, how that everybody's got a place in the body of Christ to partake of the body, and we eat of the body that way. The way we eat of the body, Jesus said, I have a meat to eat of that you apostles don't know, and he said, is to do. My meat is doing the will of the Father. Well, then you don't do the thing you're supposed to do in the body. And we said this morning, we are members in particular. Meros is the word particular. It means a portion to eat. Uh, and we eat of that portion if we are partaking of the body, the church, where we are called to partake, doing what we can do for the body. What's amazing about the word meros, 
I said this morning in Luke 24, Jesus asked the apostles, do you have any food to eat? And they gave him a piece of fish. Now, I'm still talking about, I'm still talking about anomia. Anomia means no legal food. The alpha in front of the word means it negates the word no legal food. The legal, legal food is meros. If we place the alpha in front of meros, what do you have? Does anybody remember that? What? You wouldn't. Yeah. Well, it negates the word, but what is it? Harmatia. Harmatia. Thank you. H-A-M. Thank you, Dave. I wonder if everybody getting this. M-A-R-T-I-A. There's no H's. It's a diacritical mark. It's a construction of the Alpha and Maros. That is the word sin. Sin. So when you partake of sin, you're not partaking of, it means no law. That's iniquity. Because that's going to abound and everybody's going to be fulfilling their flesh, the love, the agape, agape will wax cold. That's walking in the commandments of God. So if you don't walk in His commandments, Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the Father. If you're not walking in the commandments of God, you're not eating the proper food. We're not talking about steak and beans and, and food. I'm not talking about that. If you're not walking in God's commandments, you're involved in you, in sin. Now let's keep reading. <clears throat> because iniquity or unlawful food shall abound. Everything that the world is involved in is iniquity. That the whole world is involved in it. Then the love of many believers will suco, P-S-U-C-H-O, P-S-U-C-H-O. It means to wax cooler, a reduction in temperature. It means to die. Love in the life of believers is dying today. Walking in God's commandments, there's no commandments good anymore according to the world. We're calling good evil and evil good. We're saying it's good to have an abortion and kill babies. It's good to have an alternate lifestyle as long as you want to fall in love with a man or and you're a man or a woman if you're a woman. That that's good, and if you'll go on to Ellen the Degenerate show, she'll, they'll applaud you for being a lesbian, being homosexual. Hey, that's great, wonderful. Isn't that crazy? And it's against God's law. It's against his food. Boy, we're ever in trouble. Is this, here's the signs of the end of time. Now let's read on. But he that in, shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. Boy, that's a favorite verse of the Church of Christ. If you can only hold out to the end. Endure is the word hupomeno. 
That's the verb form, H-U-P-O-M-E-N-O. The noun form of that is the word hupomonae. You just switch the O and the E. This is the verb. This is the noun. The verb is endure. And the noun is patience. And the trying of your faith is more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. God knows how to keep you patient, putting you through the fire. Boy, people don't like fire, do they? The fire makes us eat the word of God. I thought you were going to tell us about People saying, well, nobody knows the day nor the hour. Well, they don't. But Jesus said, I will give you signs of the end. We got so many signs of the end, don't we? And I believe it's going on all around us. I feel I live in a very evil, wicked nation. I am not patriotic to America. I'm not flying no flags. I feel sorry for those soldiers that go overseas and they get shot because of these guys over there in Washington, D.C. that's trying to uh, do some something for the economy of America by having a war. And people say they won't do that. Yes, they will. Read Richard Shankman's presidential ambition. He'll tell you presidents who started wars that were real nice guys. <coughs> Except they wouldn't. They just presented themselves as such. <clears throat> I believe we're living in a smoke screen. I believe the smoke is all around us and we can't see the truth because of it. America can't see it. We see it here at Grace and Truth. We take our fan of predestination and blow the smoke out the doors, don't we? People just don't believe it. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. What does that mean? Where was it preached to all nations? In Acts, the second chapter. You had the Jews from every nation coming from all over the world for their three festivals, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Ingathering, coupled with the Day of Atonement. And they came back to Jerusalem, and then they took this message to all flesh back over all the world, and they preached it to all nations. That's already been fulfilled. It's not like we've got to make sure somebody goes down to uh, Ecuador or South America or go off in the jungle and get into this village down there before Jesus can come back. No, he can come back now. Because that's already been fulfilled. Now, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. The holy place was the holy of holies. This is where the sacrifice in the holy of holies is going to cease. First of all, what is the holy of holies? 
What's it called? Uh, where's my eraser? Oh, here they are. You see the abomination of desolation. Now, most people want to make this an Old Testament teaching, and it is. But this is where Antiochus Epiphanes tried to attack Egypt, and the representative of the Roman Empire met him. He said, you meet me on Cyprus, if this is Turkey. And then you come over here, and you come down, and you've got the Mediterranean Sea, got Israel. I hope you all don't hardly have to draw that, do I? I've done it so many times. Israel is here, and you've got, uh, what was I going to tell you there? I was going to say something. Uh, Holy of Holies, yeah. The Holy of Holies is called, that's what the inner sanctuary is called right there. And in order for the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, remember, all the sacrifices were nailed to the cross with cross here, right? If all the sacrifices were nailed to the cross here, then they don't apply anymore. You can't have, boy, when people take these verses, take this verse and couple it with, they couple this. I, I need to just show you so you can see it. They couple it with Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. They couple it here. I need to help you see these things. Sometimes I wonder how I'm going to get this all over. I've spent a lifetime looking at this stuff, thinking, evaluating. So when you go to Second Thessalonians, and it, they, all these guys i got to put all these things together so you can see them. All these preachers that call themselves prophecy teachers like Hal Lindsay and Jack Van Wimpy and his plastic woman on the end of his couch. Whew. Oh, Jack, you're just so wonderful. I'd hate to be married to her. I'd slap her about every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just so wonderful. Well, go over and kiss him. Man, his jaws are dropping down. You liable to get your lips tangled up in his skin. I just, she knows nothing about the Bible, nothing. And if you'll notice, she runs the show. He gets to read a few verses. Oh, yes, Jack, and that's what. Now tell us about this and that. And it's like, first of all, you're not supposed to be preaching, woman. Now look here in Second Thessalonians. I've got to show you how they tie this together. I haven't just taken time to do this. In the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, it all ties together. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming. Parousia, same word in Matthew 24. What's it referring to is back to verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1. To you who are troubled, oh, by the way, it's the word philipsis, troubled. Same word is narrow, basic same word is narrow. 
narrows the gate. Troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. That's a verse 27, Matthew 24. As the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And he's coming back in flaming fire. You can couple this with Revelation 19 chapter where he's coming back with eyes as a flame of fire taking vengeance. Well, that's what he says here. Uh, in flaming fire taking vengeance of them that know not the gospel, that obey not the Lord, our, uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this, this, so that his coming is referring to these two verses in chapter 2. And I got to get to the point where I'm talking about, you see, the abomination of desolation. The word abomination is the legma, B-D-E-L-U-G-M-A. It means to stink. Smells. We get the word bidet from that. What is a bidet? You, it's a thing you sit out on and you watch your bottom with it. If you have bad valve problems like Dave does, you can do that with a bidet. Belegma is abomination. It stinks in God's nostrils. So, and then I will get down to this and I'll read it to you. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us as that the day of Christ is at hand. Paul is saying the day of Christ is not at hand here. Too many things have to happen. He said, don't you believe that if somebody tells you that. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except to come a falling away first. And the falling away has been here for a long time. Apostasis is the word. A-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. It's our word apostasy. It's a construction of apo, meaning a removal of stasis. Stasis has many variations to it. You have the word stao, means to stand. Stasis means to be upright. Upright. A man who was said to be living upright was said to be bearing his cross, and that is a form of stasis. Stasis is the word staros. There has been a removal of uprightness in the world, of standing upright, standing for what's right. There is no David Cross in the world anymore. I don't hear any preachers ever mentioning it, do you? Self has to be crucified. That goes along with the abomination. Now you've got to keep all this in mind because there's no temple after Jesus' death but you. No temple except you. No, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says that over and over again. He does not mutate. He doesn't duplicate. He doesn't have a temple in Jerusalem and your body. He don't have it. He said he didn't. He don't duplicate it. 
let me read on here. So the apostasy is here. There's no daily cross. Where do you get a daily cross? By telling people truth. Telling them Christmas is Christ to mass. It's paganism. You tell that to most people. They'll crucify you. You mean they'll throw me down on a literal cross? No. They'll crucify you figuratively and put you to death. Remember, death is the word Thanos or Thanatos. It means separation. It don't mean annihilation. Thanos or Thanatos. T-H-A-N-A-T-O-S. So when people put you to death, they separate from you. When you tell them Christmas is pagan, the next time you see them, they'll have nothing to do with you. And they may say, oh, hi, Jim. I have to go. I don't have time to talk. They don't want to talk about that Christmas thing and that predestination thing you talked to them about last time. They'll be putting you to death, and they don't want anything else to do with you. And you'll notice they cut your friendship off with them. That's a form of death. They don't like that. Now, the verse... That that verse over there, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. What was the holy place? It was the house of God. This was called the house of God. Because God lived, he came down out of the cloud by day, the fire by night, he encamped on that place there. He dwelled between the cherubim. Dwell means to live or to marry. So he was married to Israel, living between the cherubim. Well, they offered a, a lamb daily to God here. They offered a sacrifice once a year as an atonement. So uh, the sacrifice in the oblation ceasing, most people look back. They look back to the Old Testament and look at the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they see the different sacrifices and they say, is what they say. So the abomination of desolation is going to be a ceasing of the lamb sacrifice Every morning at 6 o'clock and every evening at 6. Actually, it's sun up and sun down. So God's going to stop that sacrifice, and it also had an oblation with it. Oblation was the bread offering. The bread. And the priest, when they were on duty, duty, they would eat of the lamb, put a flesh hook down in there, and they would eat of the bread. That was for the priests. To eat of that was their meal. So, what the people like Hal Lindsey will say, well, that sacrifice is going to cease at the end of time. No, it's already ceased when Jesus died. Every ritual ceased when he died. Can you see that? That was a handwriting of ordinance on when he died. What is it? You've got to keep remembering. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance, which was against us, it was contrary to, to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When you did away with one contract, and I'm going to read some things about that Wednesday, 
and you took the contracting parties out in public, you drove a nail through it, you invalidated the contract. All of the rituals were invalidated when Jesus died on the cross. Nobody's coming back in 70 AD trying to get the Jews to believe God because that's a literal temple and that doesn't matter when that's destroyed. At the end of time, what this is talking about back, well, let me show you what it's talking about in Second Thessalonians, the second chapter. Here's what it's talking about. Speaking of this man of sin, except to come a falling away first, that that man of sin be revealed as the son of perdition. That's the title that was also given to Judas in the 17th chapter of Leviticus. I mean, of Luke. Started with an L. All right. Verse 4. They try to align this verse with a verse when you shall see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. They try to align this verse. And here's, here's where Hal Lindsey and all the rest of them and Jack Van Wimpy mess up. I can't keep from calling him that. Here's where they mess up in verse 4. They say this is going to happen during the tribulation period. In the middle of the tribulation at the three and a half year point, And they tie that with Daniel 9.27. He shall cause the sacrifice. Let's look at it. Hold your place in these two places. Look at Daniel 9. Daniel 9. We've already gone through 69 of the weeks. From the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. That's the 69 weeks. The 70th week is separated. You look at that in verse 30, verse 27. It doesn't say he shall confirm the covenant. It says the weak shall confirm the covenant in the Septuagint. The only way the man of sin will confirm the covenant, he will still kill, he will still keep killing the people of God till the end of the 70th week. That's the way he'll confirm it because when you confirm the covenant, you bring about the six points of Daniel 9.24 and Seventy weeks to determine upon thy people, number one, to finish the transgression of Israel, going after these idol gods, to make an end of their sins, all that they did for 500 years under kings, to make reconciliation for iniquity. That word reconciliation is the word kafar, it's the word atonement. And to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy, which is the house of God. So they're trying to say, when the sacrifice and oblation is ceased at the end of time, I'll show you this in a minute. They say when the sacrifice and the oblation is ceased in the middle of the 70th week, in the middle of it, that's what he said over there, that he'll cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease in the midst of the week. They say that has to do with building a temple in Jerusalem, building a temple over there like this on the Temple Mount. They can't build a temple on the Temple Mount 
the Dome of the Rock is on the Temple Mount. That's a Muslim temple that was built by one of the Islamic conquerors back centuries, several thousand, couple thousand years ago. Not quite 2,000 years. And that was built. And if the Dome of the Rock is built there, in order to build a temple on the Dome of the Rock, which is an Islamic temple, you have to start World War III. They're not going to let that happen, are they? They will go to war with everybody in the world. They'll be willing to commit suicide to kill all the heretics, which is us. That's not what's going to cease. We're the temple of God. If the sacrifice ceases, stop and think. Just stop and think. How could it be an abomination and stink to God if somebody started offering a lamb on an altar over there and somebody stopped it? How could that stink to God? It can't, can it? No, because if you stop a lamb, if you start to offer a lamb, that is the denial that Jesus is the one sacrifice offered once for all, isn't it? Well, that's what he said. If you, any Jew that starts offering a sacrifice in Jerusalem, they're going to be denying Christ, aren't they? I don't know why people can't see that. In fact, you look over here in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, the 10th chapter, In verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O Lord. He take away the first testament, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. No more sacrifices. Then you look down here in verse 14 of the same chapter, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering. Any Jew that starts offering a sacrifice, the offering of a lamb will stink to God. Anybody who stops that will be doing a righteous thing. They're saying anybody who stops that is doing an unrighteous thing. And that's the abomination. It wouldn't be an abomination to stop a sacrifice with offering a lamb in Israel, would it? But if you're, if you're the temple of God... What is the sacrifice you offer in that temple? Self. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's a signal to me that the law is going to come up and start passing some kind of fairness doctrine where that we can't say the things that we're saying. And what's the oblation? That was the bread offering with it. What is the bread? The word of God. It's in us. It's going to become against the law to say the things that we say. But nobody can see this because they're looking for a literal land to be offered over here. I'll read that next verse in 
in 2 Thessalonians. They try to tie this, this next verse, when you see the abomination of desolation is spoken of by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 9.27. That's the abomination. Now, the, Jack Benny, if you'll read this and say, see, this is where the man is going to rise up during the middle of the tribulation period and he's going to sit in the temple of God in Jerusalem. First of all, that's not the temple of God. We're the temple of God. But notice what it says. And if you don't go to the original words and the part of speech, you're going to have no idea what this is saying. Every one of those prophets and teachers that read this say, see, that's the man of sin rising up during the tribulation period and making himself uh, head of Israel. No, it's not. Because look what it says. This man opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. They say that's the future man sitting in the temple. Only one problem. Every word in this is present tense. It had already started to happen. Opposeth is a present tense participle participle of verbal adjective is already opposing God sitting in the temple of God which temple you are the church is already becoming apostate here and exalteth present tense participle I don't know why Jack Van Wimpy and those guys don't look at the parts of speech it can't be in the future. It was already going on here. Sitteth. Sitteth is an infinitive. An infinitive is a verbal noun. It's an aorist tense which has already started happening in the past. It's active and it's happening right at the moment he's writing this. You see... <laughs> Oh, I don't care what the parts of speech are. Oh, you better. Because it changes the meaning of this whole thing. And showing is a present tense participle. Showing himself. He's already showing himself that he is God in this temple. Which temple you are. They were people that are apostate. And he goes on to say that. He goes on to say that. Remember you not that. When I was with you, I told you these things. And now you know what withholdeth. Boy, I love that word. Kateko. Kata. Kateko. Kata means down. Echo means, is a word that means to hold. If you guys would define these words, you know what it's saying. Now you know what's holding the church down on the ground. Because we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with these dead in Christ to meet the Lord in the air will be caught up. Now you know what's holding the church down. There has to be a falling away, and that was already here, he said here. And he has to lift himself up, but he has to be revealed before Christ can come. 
So he comes and he says, remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things. Now you know what holds the church down, that this man of sin might be revealed in his time. The word revealed, apocalypto. The cover removed. Off with the cover. Apocalypse comes from that. That's the word revelation. Now you know what holding the church down. And then he says that he might be revealed in his time. There's a time for the man of sin to be exposed to the world. For the mystery of iniquity, there's two mysteries. There's the mystery of Christ, which is the church becoming fellow heirs and of the same body with the Jewish believers. And there's the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of no legal food. And he says the mystery of iniquity or the same thing that he's calling the apostasy in the previous verses doth already now work. It's already here when he's writing this book. Can you see that? It's already here. When Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians, the mystery of iniquity is already working, and then shall that wicked be revealed. When he is revealed, the Lord shall consume him with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy him with the brightness of his parousia, his coming. That's when, as the lightning shines from the east to the west, that's not a lightning shining in a, in a temple in Jerusalem. In 70 A.D., that's... How does the lightning shine from the east to the west? East to west is all the way around the world, isn't it? And this is the earth, and it's egg-shaped. Everybody in the world, every eye shall see him when he comes back. Then Revelation, the first chapter. Now, how much time do I have, Mike? 27. I'm going to have to get on with this. Then let them which in Judea flee into the mountains. Run for your life when these things start to happen, you people in Jerusalem. Let him which is on the housetop not come down when, when Titus the Roman general comes in to slaughter Jerusalem. That's exactly what he did in 70 AD. And they were slaughtered and carried away. And the temple was decimated one more time. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes or anything with him. This is going to be a bad time. And woe to them that are with child and them that give suck in those days you're carrying a baby, especially at your breast, you're going to have all hell break loose. You don't want that when you're there. You don't even want that in America when they decide to outlaw this message that we preach. Pray that your flight be not in winter. It gets cold in Israel in the winter on the Sabbath day because they would quit working on the Sabbath day. <laughs> For there shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of this world 
to this time, no, nor ever shall be. If you think you've seen some bad times, not yet. I believe the money in this world will become money of the world organization that it won't belong to any of us before it's over with. And except those days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, here's Christ out here in the desert out here in Utah. Don't you believe him? Or lo there. He says, believe it not, for there shall be false Christ, Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, Fred Price, Jesse Duplantis, even Charles Stanley is a false prophet. Billy Graham was a false prophet. He preached to accept Christ, and that's not true. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. There shall be for us false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, if it were possible, they would deceive their very elect, but it's not possible for us to be deceived. They're going to be good at deception. And some people have a hard time actually believing those charismatics are lying through their teeth, and they are. I don't know how people can read this and not know that it's going on out there somewhere. Behold, I have told you before, if they shall send to you, behold, he's in the desert. They say the head of the Mormon church goes into a secret chamber and talks to God. Don't you believe that? Little grandmothers say they saw Jesus beside their bedside one night in their bed. He said, don't believe that. Don't go forth. If they say he's in the secret chamber in their bedroom or out there in a Mormon temple or the Jehovah's Witness got, got him over here in a Jehovah's Witness compound, Here's how he's going to come. For as the lightning shineth out of the east and cometh, shineth all the way to the west, so shall also the Perusia. That was the original question. Wheresoever the eagles is, there will the, wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. He says that in Ezekiel, the 39th chapter, and Revelation, the, 18th, uh, the 19th chapter. He's going to cry for the fowls of the air to come. There's not going to be enough funeral homes to bury everybody on the earth that's going to die. That's what the Bible says. Don't say funeral homes. He says, he says, my way of disposing of these bodies of all the people in the world is going to call all these birds of prey and all these wild animals to come in and eat you. Boy, what a, what a way to go, as the old saying goes. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. I already told you about that. That's not talking about a literal sun being literally darkened. And the moon will not give her light. Anytime the sun is dark, when you don't have a moonlit night, it's pitch dark. And the Bible says the sun will go down on the prophets and they'll have no vision. 
If the moon turns to blood, that's simply a term that means to die. If the sun turns to darkness, the moon turns to blood. To turn to blood meant to die. It don't mean it's going to turn red. The moon's going to die. If the moon dies, it is not reflecting any of the light from the sun, so there'd be something that's blocking the sunlight. And this is a picture and a type of God's light is going to be blocked upon the earth. That's what he's saying. Now, and the moon turned to blood. Moon shall not give her light. And the stars shall fall from heaven. Now this is not meteorites. If it was meteorites, one meteor, right, about five miles wide, would destroy the earth and bring us a nuclear winter. And that ain't going to happen. You got seven stars in Revelation 8, 9, and 10, when the seven angels blow their trumpet and the Bible says in the third trumpet sounded and it gives you when it sounded and how that a star fell from heaven. The stars falling from heaven are the words from God's people. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, what is the time factor of all this? In verse 29, after the tribulation of those days, then the last trumpet will sound. You got seven trumpets, Revelation 8, 9, and 10, and we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twink of an eye, at the last trump. Both Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. It shows you seven trumpets. Why can't people, why can't they just look up their concordance and, and look at all the trumpets that are sounding? Why can't they do that? They, they just, they want to listen to some great prophecy scholar like Jack Bunnipy. The guy quotes a lot of verses and he gets them all confused and all messed up. He's very confusing. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. The last one hadn't sounded yet till this one has it. We're going to be changed at the last trump. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh at hand. I'm going to give you this sign. You can tell when the fig tree is going to bloom. I've got fig trees over there on Irvin. When they come out, they start blooming. Summer's on top of you. He said, why is it you can't understand this? So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things. All what things? The things we've talked about all through this chapter. The abomination of desolation the gospel being preached in all the kingdoms, iniquity waxing cold, uh, iniquity abounding, love agape waxing cold, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. When you see these things, this is our signs. 
When you shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the doors. But everybody wants to jump ahead in that and say, verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows when he's coming, but I will give you signs. We're sitting right in the middle of them. I don't see how these young people can live to be old people. I just, besides all the stuff going on in the Middle East, besides the Jews falling by the edge of the sword, being led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem falling down by the Gentiles, being led away captive by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentile rule is fulfilled. And that started happening May 14th, 1948, and Jerusalem kept falling until the Six-Day War of 67, June 5th through June 10th. And that's when they drove all the Jordanians out and became an independent nation totally. <clears throat> I hope this registers on you. You say, Jim, you preach on that a lot. I sure do. This is the first night I've just stopped and took time to go through the verses. And I hadn't preached on all of them the way I want to. I would have to stand up here for hours to teach one of these verses in its fullness. Because I'd have to go back and take in the 70 weeks of Daniel and go through the decrees and who gave them and all the battle that that uh, the Jews had with the enemies of Israel when they were building the temple of God. I believe we're setting close to the end. It's time for us to get rid of our fussing and fighting, get rid of our differences with each other and live righteously and godly. Now that's easy for me to say because of my age. If you're young and you got something against somebody, you can't just get rid of it. It's just too hard, isn't it? If you get old enough, you'll say, what am I fighting for? This is crazy. i got a few years to live. I've got at the maximum 10 years to live. I'll be 90. You actually think I'm going to live past 90. I don't. I'll get, I'll get this bronchitis one of these days, and it won't go away. It'll turn into pneumonia, and they'll have it. I had they'll have it. Have my what you call it in the paper? Yeah, Jim Brown dies. Local crazy preacher dies of pneumonia. My eulogy. The crazy guy is gone. Who's going to wear his t-shirts? There's an old song, Who's Gonna Fill His Shoes, a George Jones song, talking about all the dead stars. Well, who's going to fill Jim's shoes? You think I'm sad at that? I'm not sad at that. This body is a wreck. I'll be glad to get rid of this. You hear preachers say that. They don't really mean that. I really mean that. I'm tired. I'll keep preaching until I can't stand up here. I hope one day to preach, and when the pneumonia sets in, after church, I say, amen, and then fall dead. I just want to preach and then fall dead. I don't want to be somebody's burden for 20 years. 
most people won't face the truth about themselves. You know that? They won't. You ain't going to live that long. Now, you're not young, are you? But people like to live like, well, I'm going to live forever. No, you're not. Not unless you're going to heaven. And why do we want to keep these wore out bodies is, is beyond me. I'm looking forward to these things happening. Do I have any time? 13. 13. Well, he goes on to say, when I come back, of the dead, I know no man, know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then he tells you how they were in the days of Noah. As in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, partying, marrying, and giving in marriage. To give in marriage means to marry two things that don't belong together. It means to marry truth with a lie. We've got that in every church in America. They've got Christmas, Christ Mass, and the Baptist churches, and Christ Mass is Roman Catholicism. Don't you Baptists know that? It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Why don't you try to find out what that's about? It Christmas bothered me from the time I was a little boy. I couldn't figure that out. I could not figure why. At seven or eight years old, my mother and father told me that Santa Claus wasn't real. I could not understand why they lied to me. Couldn't understand it. Why would you lie to me? And I started studying it when I was young. And I found out Christmas was paganism. And we are in the apostasy. It is alive and well. Let me read the rest of this. And knew not until the flood came and took them away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. They weren't knocking on the door of the ark. That is crazy. The Bible says the fountains of the great deep were broken up. The deepest rivers in the world are underground. And what the ground did, Noah's in the ark, and they went like that. Just blew up. The rains come from heaven, but most of the water come from those underground rivers. And Noah took off on a tidal wave about 5,000 feet high. They wouldn't knock it on the door. God put him in the ark, shut the door. God shut the door. I'm glad I'm not going to have to suffer the judgment of God. Have you ever thought these people that die, famous people that die, you've never heard them say anything George Bush, I never heard him say anything about a daily cross, death to self and self-denial of Jew. I did hear one of the announcers say he loved his vodka. <laughs> and they kept talking about being a Christian. Well, God didn't step there and say, well, y'all keep calling him a Christian. I guess I better let him into heaven. I don't know where George Bush went, but I didn't see anything that was a sign of 
Christianity. Did you? You see, I believe in a daily cross, death to self, and self-denial. If someone has never comes to develop talking about those things and dealing with them, and you may say, boy, I don't like this. Gosh, I hate this daily cross. I hate people hating me. But you know you have to do it. If it gets in your heart, it'll come out your mouth. You can't hide the truth from people. Is anybody able to hide it from people? Do you have a hard time talking to people? I don't think anybody here will say, they'll say a little bit. You'll say a little bit, won't you? A little bit about a cross and denying self. And people look at you like, what are you talking about? Then he says, There shall be two in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. When Christ comes back in flaming fire, as the lightning shines to the east to the west, two men will be in the field. One will be taken up into the air to meet to the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be the Lord. And the other will be left to be destroyed. The judgment of God on the earth. Then he says, Two women will be grinding at the mill. That is, the homosexual lesbian women have gotten a hold of this. See, they're grinding. They're having sex at the mill. You idiots. You stupid people. You're going to be in hell one day, and you'll think grinding at the mill. God is going to grind your head into hell. Not a grinding stone. They had another stone. It took two women to grind. They had an upper stone. And they would grind in a circle, and it would grind the meal, and one would hold the stone, the other would grind this lava stone, and they'd have a way to run it off into an area where they were grinding their bread. That's what this is talking about. But two will be doing that when Christ comes in flaming fire, taking vengeance, all those that know not God and obey not the gospel. You don't want to be one of these women that is not taken out and you're left. It's going to be a frightening thing. Can you imagine two seconds after a person disappears in front of you and you're left to be destroyed, how you're feeling and what you're thinking? The second death. Yeah. Well, it's just very scary, isn't it? I've thought of that. I thought of that when Ronald Reagan died and I think of when George Bush dies and when any of these stars die I think of wonder what you're feeling now Johnny Cash wonder what you're feeling now George Jones Tammy Wynette some big star they didn't go to heaven because you want them to go they go because they're repentant of sin they want to take their cross and die daily. If that thief on the cross could have gotten down from that cross, one that said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, if he could have gotten down, he would have lived 50 years for Jesus. And no doubt he was repentant because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Let's read the rest of this. Watch therefore, Gregorio, Keep awake. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. 
But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched, would not have suffered his house to be broken up. I like the way Mark 13 puts this. This is the same thing. And Mark says in Mark 13... He says, here's the way he puts it. I'm going to turn that. Verse 34. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter... It doesn't mean a guy that puts people on a train. It's the one in charge of the gate of the doorkeeper. And commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh. At evening? At midnight? At cockcrow? Or in the morning? Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping... What I say unto you, and I say unto you, I'll watch. Evening watch started at 6 o'clock in the evening. 6 o'clock in the evening. It goes to 9. And the next watch is the cockcrow watch. Am I right? Cockcrow. Next watch is the... uh, well, I was over in Matthew. I flipped away from it. You had four watches in the night from six in the morning. Excuse me. Their day began at six in the evening. And it went to six in the morning. They had the first watch, which was the evening watch, went to six to nine. Then you had... Then you had the next watch. I'll get it in a minute. The next watch was is the evening watch, then the midnight watch, then the cockcrow watch, and the morning watch. The midnight watch began at 9 to 12. The cockcrow watch began at 12 and went to 3 in the morning. And the morning watch went from 3 to 6. The midnight watch had just begun, or the morning watch had just begun. It was in the middle of the dark when Jesus commanded the apostles in the 16th chapter of Matthew to go over the sea. And they thought there were demons out there in the sea. We don't want to do that. And that's when Jesus walked on the water and he said, it's a, it's, it's, it's a phantasm, it's a demon. Jesus said, no, it's not, it's just me. I love that. He can scare us too, can he? So, you had the, that's why you had three to six. And Cockcrow, I was always confused when I was little. How could Peter hear 
a rooster crow at 12, not at 12, but immediately there in the same watch, how could he hear a rooster crow and then, and then deny Jesus and then crow again? It's because cockroach watch was a watch in the night and it had the sound of a rooster that had some little horn that went da-da-da. So Peter denied Jesus somewhere right after 12 and he's forgotten three hours later that he denied him so he denied him two more times. And when the cock crew at three in the morning, Peter went, dropped his head, looked over at Jesus, and broke down in tears. Jesus looked at him and said, I told you to do that. Something else, huh? Am I out of time? I am? I wanted to go through and explain this to you. I've had so many people come and say, what does it mean one will be taken the other left? One will be taken out to make the Lord in the air and the other will be left to be destroyed. Well, I hope I've said some things tonight. If you notice, you've got to tie everything together the way it's... And these guys that preach on this preterism and they preach that Jesus came back to see if he could get the Jews to believe in 70 A.D. What for? They're not vessels of mercy. They're vessels of wrath. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to be strong, looking around us, seeing the signs of your coming. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. I don't know what to do anymore. Just keep preaching, Lord. That's all I know to do. Give me strength. Strengthen the sheep. We'll trust you for everything, knowing that your will is being done. In Christ's name, amen. You can't leave any part of prophecy alone. None of it stands alone. It all stands in relation to everything else.